A very warm welcome to new listeners and old alike to the Bucks Stops here. Your extra time for the best league in the country, the Bucks Super Rugby League that we bring to you every Wednesday and Friday live down the stream. But we bring you a bit more pizzazz on the pod with special guests and a bit of an in-depth look at the five fixtures that go down. And what a five fixtures they were. Red Red Wine was our entrance track this evening to celebrate Heartbreeze ascent to the top. And also like Lazarus from the foot of the table, Cardiff are now in ninth and no longer prop up the rest. So with that in mind, we'll be kicking off with a dissection of Cardiff versus Beckett. But first, it's up to me to introduce my PIC, the man who sits by my side in my kitchen recording studio. As always, it is Dave Rogers. How are you, mate? Oh, so good. So, but not as good as Cardiff University, mate. They must be absolutely buzzing. Two wins out of three. Cardiff Arms Park on Wednesday feels pretty good to be a red. Not as happy as Cardiff. They were literally jumping for joy when they got that bonus point in the final minutes. They fought for it and they went bananas when the final whistle went. Mm, well, I'm fine, mate. How are you? The busiest man in show business. By busiest man in show business. Just putting in game lines, spotlighting players for BT Sport, a couple of kicks to goal and some research production as well. Yeah, I was in, I was in Edinburgh on Friday. I was at Wasps on Saturday and Saracens yesterday. So to say I'm a little bit rugbyed out might be an understatement. So that's so many miles as well. So many miles. And I drove to, um, where did I drive to? Where was the game on Wednesday that I did? I went to Nottingham, but Nottingham <laughs> back on Wednesday as well. That's, that's the measure of where my head's at at the moment. But my second team at school picked up a big, big victory against the Mouse School today. Did Plenty they? of tri- Oh, mate, we smashed it. <laughs> 15 tries to one. We absolutely pulled their pants down. I actually used to go to the Mal. That was my old prep school as well. So bittersweet for me, but very pleased for the boys to get off the mark for the season. Like when Eddie Jones gets one over on Australia. Yeah, or Japan or South Africa or <laughs> whoever he's pledged allegiance to with the biggest uh, checkbook for that period of a World Cup cycle. Oh, you're so cynical. I love it. Um, so, yeah, just, just rugby, rugby, rugby Just rugby, you. rugby, rugby. What about you? Um, no rugby, actually. I was at the International Sports Conference in Geneva on Wednesday. There was a bit of rugby, though, because there was a talk by the guy who laid the 4G surface at Allianz Park. I mean, there? there was. There was, yeah. And I've spent a little bit of time there doing pretty much everything that isn't Saracens over the years. So I was talking about schools rugby and ace rugby and was so nauseous. I was like, oh, did you know there are actually four games of rugby being played at Allianz Park today? And he was like, no, nah, mate, didn't know that. But there are a few nods of acknowledgement in the back, you know, when you MC a conference and people think you're just a suit. Um, but I, I did my bit. Hartbury, actually, winning ace again. But they actually got pushed this year. Beach mm. and Cliff were pretty mm. good and they were leading for parts of the game. So a bit more of a contest. I think it was gospel last year yeah. and they absolutely murdered them. Give someone else a go, Hartbury. <laughs> Yeah, come on, lads. Um, so yeah, that that was good. A uh, bit of netball at the weekend. Um, 
Vitality Super League starts in January, so there's some pre-season stuff. And actually, as I always tend to do, I flipped a little bit of information about uh, perhaps some BSR future expansion, but I'll bring that up with my question of the week later on. All right. Following the... A uh, new feature. Yeah, following the success of our Varsity chat last week. Um, oh, and I went to the recording of the Jonathan Ross show yesterday. Yeah, go on. How is Wassy? Uh, Wassy is brilliant, but Big Nasty and Danny Dyer are national treasures. Mate, Danny Dyer is the funniest bloke yeah. in the entire world. He did um, Have I Got News For You at the weekend. Did he? Yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I can only imagine it's classic. He's starring in a nativity musical with his daughter at the Hammersmith Apollo over Christmas. Mate, she's just split up with her fella from apparently, Love Island. Apparently, that's nonsense. Apparently, they've... He, quashed it all yesterday he said they've just had a tiff she's got a little bit excited called it out on instagram but apparently it's back on thank the yeah, lord exactly. what a, what a day for reality tv <laughs> they're still together and harry redknapp's king of the jungle oh nonsense so yes. i'm good you're good let's get into the rugby please uh quickly through the predictions because neither of us had uh, much of a week to report home about maybe not just go through all and let just just give the scores out because i think it's going to be quite ill reading for both of us uh, yes so uh, the score is now 40 points to 36 but there are a couple of big ones that we got wrong that we're going to have to dissect that went right in our movies starting mm. with cardiff versus beckett down at Lanrumney. two out of three wins they're off the foot of the table a bonus point win and leads beckett in dire straits. Well, do you know what the most interesting thing about this for me was? The conditions were gross. And I thought that would play right into the hands of Leeds Beckett. And in, in, in essence, Joe, maybe I've just been wrong about them all season. Because Cardiff kept the skill level high, defended their asses. I mean, they kept Leeds Beckett tryless. Yeah. Which is absolutely massive. And they're turning... Llan Rumney into, dare I say it, bit of a fortress. Back-to-back home wins. I remember way back in episode one or two. Nearly beat Heartbreed. They nearly beat Durham. In fact, the Durham lads that I spoke to on Wednesday said that they felt they were lucky to get away with a win there. And, well, and of course, Northumbria as well. But the point I was going to make was you said they'd be, they'd be pregnant for one victory before but, Christmas. Well, it's twins. Well, looking at their fixed... Sluts! <laughs> Cardiff buses. Uh, but after Christmas, they've got Bath, then Loughborough, then Bath, then Trent. But three of those four are at home. So they've got Loughborough, Bath and Nottingham, Trent at home. Well, they won't want to play Bath because they're, they're away specialists. Yeah, 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 they'd rather go to the moment. TV. But, you know, you pick up a couple of wins there and you're not just looking at staying off the foot of the table you're looking at maybe mid-table particularly with all the inconsistency above them you look at Loughborough Trent even Northumbria who I know they've they've played them twice and were unlucky not to come away with two victories but up the Cardiff mate upper uh, upper upper the boyos is that how you say it (laughs) if you want mate yeah upper the (laughs) upper the boyos well interestingly so obviously I was at Trent on Wednesday and Alex O'Dowd said to me, we've been talking about them, he said, do you know what, in a way, I'm, I'm pretty glad that uh, we've played them. And certain Durham said that as well. And he felt that they're really a good side, but they weren't doing it for 60 minutes. They didn't perform against Trent. Funnily, he was critical of their scrum, but their scrum bosched the Beckett scrum on Wednesday. 
They took him for a load of penalties, mm-hmm. drove him off the ball regularly. That bonus point try was a penalty try at the end because the Beckett scrum crumbled. And it wasn't ideal because they made so many mistakes, Beckett. If you like set piece, watch this Cardiff Leeds Beckett game back. There's so many line outs, so many scrums. Mm. But the line out kept on going wrong for Beckett. Not from not from the actual line out itself, but things like bringing the ball down, transferring it, or accidental offside. So many scrums coming from it. But Cardiff, their strategy, I'm, I'm calling this the chaos theory. <laughs> that I watched, especially for the first 40 minutes, I had no idea what was going to happen next. There's so much variety to their game. Crossfield kicks, up and unders, forwards cropping up in the centres. It was like, it was madness, and Beckett just couldn't deal with it. And the same as well was in effect in defence because they were so disruptive. But you want to say something? Go on. Well, no, no. You liked that about them when you watched them against Cardiff Met the first time round, didn't you? You said even when they were on the back foot, even when they were really up against it, they just kept trying to put some air on it. You never really know what's happening with them. It's unpredictable, and it's not always going to come off. But when it does. You beat your nearest rivals in the league table, thirty points to three. Yeah, well, it's it's like um, the, it's like the fly half's got a random play generator in his pocket. <laughs> Hits the button, he's like, right, we're going to put a Gary Owen up, followed by a crossfield, and if that doesn't work, there'll be some forwards lurking in the middle. They put the crossfield in loads. They got a try from it, including an outrageous um, dummy switch, which Johnny K bought so hard. If you look at the replay, it's like he's looking for UFOs in the sky. <laughs> He does a pirouette. He's like one of those Russian dolls that you get out of a, a musical box. You flip the lid up and it's it's pirouetting with no Scooby of where he is. It's so good. And hey, they were well, well worth their win. Leeds Beckett, though, that is five losses in a row since they beat Cardiff. And all the things we thought they were going to be good at, they've really struggled with. So you mentioned they struggled in the scrum against Cardiff. They did against Exeter as well. Exeter dismantled them up front and that was the difference. They've got a lot of talent in that back line. We've waxed lyrical about the two halfbacks and they've got the likes of Charlie Venables at fullback as well. People who can really do damage, but they just can't get the ball there. There's no platform for Leeds Beckett at the moment. No, it's not looking that way. And it's the lack of continuity, the amount of errors that they make. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, you can't see a discernible pattern to their play. Obviously, it's really easy to be critical because because they've lost five in a row. But prior to this game, they're all by quite tight margins. And we yeah. spoke about spoke about Durham last year. How you said, oh, you know, like Durham, they were so unlucky last year. You can't get lucky, unlucky that many times. So there is something wrong there that needs addressing. But to get it handed so badly, I'd say the one shining light from their performance is that they switched kits at half-time. What, like Man United in the 90s? Like Man United in the 90s. So just to explain to the younger demographic that we pitched oh, yeah. to, United, for all their glory in the 90s, became infamous because they were playing Southampton at the Dell. And I think they were 3-0 down at half-time, yeah. which was pretty much unheard of. And they were wearing a grey away jersey strip. And at half-time, they came out wearing blue jerseys. It never, ever happened before in Premier League history of a team switching jerseys halfway through. And the claim was that the grey was merging in with the crowd so the Man United players couldn't see each other 
and that's why they were losing 3-0. Anyway, Leeds Beckett, they start in the purple. They came out in the turquoise. They got a penalty at the beginning of the second half. And I was thinking, oh, maybe we're on here. No, we weren't on. We weren't on. They, uh, it continued to go against them and Cardiff well worth the win. Yeah, this is one of the ones Leeds Beckett might have been targeting as well. And even though we're not entirely sure what's going to be going on with relegation just yet, they don't want to finish at the foot of the league. Look, it's not like they've been cut off. They've still got that game in hand that if they win, then they go back above Cardiff. But bearing in mind that game in hand is against Nottingham Trent after Floodlight Gate that I still haven't let go. One of those teams, whoever comes off second best, is really in the mire in terms of uh, in terms of that bottom of the table push. Well, you say the bottom of the table. We now do have a discernible top and bottom of the mm-hmm. table. We've got a top five, Hartbury, Met, Exeter, Durham, Bath, and then a bottom five, Northumbria, Loughborough, Trent, Cardiff, Beckett. Only two points separating Beckett, Cardiff, and Trent. Five points is next up who is Loughborough. So we could see a lot of snakes and ladders, as I described it on the uh, on the stream on Wednesday. So it's it's exciting. Exciting for the league. They got that win and good on the lads. Let's stay in the Welsh capital then. Cardiff met 29, Northumbria 14. Not too many surprises in this one. Well, the best thing about Cardiff defeating Beckett last week is it sets up the spiciest of spicy derbies this Wednesday against Cardiff Met. They're on a roll, a comfortable win against Northumbria. Northumbria played pretty well, mm. but I think they they scored a last-minute converted try, which embellished the score a little bit for them. Oh, no, maybe I'm being a bit harsh because Met got the final score yeah. to bag the bonus right at the end. Northumbria didn't play too badly. They're a bit lightweight up front. I know that you've voiced concerns about that already, but Met are so well drilled up front. They're scrum, very dominant. They built a lot of penalties. And we saw again this week them building pressure from the tee. Harry Johnston kicking strategically, but also kicking from the tee, building that scoreboard pressure, which brings its own pressure on the team that's building that pressure that they then have to go and chase the bonus points Cardiff Met got their bonus point try in the 84th minute this week from a rumbled over effort, a couple of forward dominated tries, but a pretty, pretty good game. And I think, I mean, you're, you're in for a cracker at the Arms Park on Wednesday. They've sold, they've sold out an entire stand of the Arms Park. They're going to have to open up another one. Amazing. How, how unbelievable that, that game's going to be. And Cardiff Met needs to watch themselves because... Cardiff are on a roll. We've had some really special occasions in the league so far this season. And I think the Loughborough-Exeter um, game got 4,000 there. How many were down at the wreck for the Bath game that you did? It was a good few ne- thousand. 4,600, something like that. So nearly 5,000. Yeah, this could well be a new benchmark in yeah. Buck Super Rugby, which would be amazing. I, th- I think if Cardiff can continue their rise maintain it, build that over the next few seasons. Cardiff Met are obviously very established with a number of teams. But if an intense, a fierce, genuine rivalry can be developed between these two sides, it could really capture the capital's imagination down in Cardiff. And you could see that being, you know, 10,000 people. University of South Wales, they are, I think they're top of the South Premier Conference at the moment. They're desperate to get into Buck Super. I mean, we don't want too many Welsh people in the league. <laughs> but if they got in there, then you've got a three-way rivalry happening within Wales itself. Would that work to the benefit or the detriment of the sides? I don't know, because they're going to have more intensity. But how good is that? Is that game going to be on Wednesday? And really, 
Cardiff are going to be bristling, brimming with confidence going into it. And rightfully so. What that does mean, though, with Cardiff Met getting that bonus point win is the top of the table now very much looking, well, taking a traditional shape. Cardiff Met, they've been a bit better with the bonus points than they have, than they were last season. They're level on points with Hartbury, 36 apiece. They've, they've both won seven, lost three. But interesting, last week you brought up Cardiff Met and you kind of, you, you were reticent when you said it, but you referred to them as playoff specialists. Yes. Now, looking at their results, it was a comfortable win against Northumbria and they picked up a few comfortable wins, but all of their defeats, they've only just been on the wrong side of the ledger. A couple of points in it here and there. And I do wonder if as we get towards the latter part of the season, if having that valuable experience will stand them in good stead. What, what are they? A point ahead of Exeter, four points ahead of Durham, but Heartbreak, Cardiff Met, Exeter, it's the usual suspects at the top and you'd be very foolish to bet against them come the end of the season. It's the usual suspects at the top, but out of the three, Cardiff Met are the team that people aren't talking about. People are talking about Exeter, they're talking about Heartbreak, they're not talking about Met because they had that slightly shaky start to the season, but Look at them. They've won five of their last six. Their only loss came against... Remind me, please, Dave. Uh, it was away in the East Midlands. Uh, who was that to? <laughs> okay, it was, to, it was to Loughborough, which, I mean, that puts that win into perspective. <sighs> but the teams, who, who have they lost against? So they've lost to Loughborough and they've lost to Nottingham Trent. A quick apology from me to Mikey Walton of Northumbria. I reported in the rugby paper that Joseph Pickering got the second try. He got a great intercept try as well. Another speedster in the back three for Northumbria. From the match cards that we get sent, so the official RFU match cards, that actually all the statistics get built off. It said that Joseph Pickering had scored both the tries. So, Mikey Walton, not only do you get reported incorrectly, but also your try won't count to the overall Bucks stats. So, that's a message to everyone that make sure your coach or your team manager, well, mainly the away team manager, fills in the match card correctly. Otherwise, all those points that you accumulate individually aren't ever going to be um, contributed to you historically, which is something I know you want to do. And also, if I scored a try and it got reported in the paper, I'd be buying that and uh, maybe a couple of extra copies just in case for the uh, for the scrapbook. Mate, if you scored a try, I'd know about it wherever I was in the world. <laughs> 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 All right, let's have a bit of a chat about Northumbria then. So inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Very poor choice of a away jersey as well. It's <laughs> bright red that they seem to wear every time they come down to Cardiff. Yeah, they've... Yeah, inconsistent. They didn't play as badly as as the scoreline suggests. Met one comfortably. A bit of a conundrum at the moment. Josh Bragman was back at 10. He played really Mm. well. So he's got his mojo back, which is good for the back line as a whole. The forwards, they got bullied around a little bit. There's some some good characters in that a Ollie Robinson was missing again. So and they also only had six on the bench. Yeah, Northumbria. Yeah. So they've got limited supplies of players to pick from. Their second team sometimes they struggle to get a second team out. So they don't have the wealth of riches that other sides do. So for them to be so competitive with essentially I don't know, maybe forty players to choose from is really impressive. But they are they're under the pump at the moment. So difficult to work out. I mean they frighten the life out of Hartbury down at Gilman's and then roll over against Exeter, then batter Loughborough out of sight and then 
don't get into it the following week. But again, they're a match for everyone. Sixth in the table. I mean, they're more than a bonus point win behind Bath now. But I think on reflection, particularly on form, that's probably a fair representation of where they're at. But sixth in the league, I think they'll expect more than that from themselves come the end of the year. Yeah, they're reminiscent of Wasps for me, Mm. that they are a team with loads of potential, loads of magic to unlock, but they lack a bit of direction at the moment. They're trying to find who they are. They need to go on a gap yard (laughs) and find themselves. So maybe a little short, brief gap yard over... The Christmas holidays find themselves. They can go you know, trekking in the Andes with an Inca tribe and <laughs> get some beads. Yeah, get some beads, braid their hair. Exeter nil, Hartbury 29. Exeter, the league champions, become the first team in the Bucks Super Rugby era to get nilled at home. Now, I like to talk about ordinary open side flankers on this show. So I'll compare you to England's favourite, Chris Robshaw, right? Do you remember during the World Cup when he said, we always back ourselves at home, and then Wales embarrassed them? Yes, it does ring a bell. And you came out before the predictions last week and said, Exeter, don't lose at Topsham. I think I said, I said on Wednesday on the commentary that I was fully expecting a sizable slice of humble pie to be delivered <laughs> direct to my door from Cheltenham because Hartbury stuffed them. And mm. it was an incredible performance, so much so that we want to hear right from one of the horses' mouths that were right at the heart of it. He has badgered us to come <laughs> on the podcast. So whatever he tells you saying that we've, and I quote, peppered him to come on, <laughs> this man is a shining example that if you irritate us enough, then you can get a gig on the pod. Hello? Angus, how are you, mate? You well? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I thought you'd be a lot more animated, mate. You've been bigging, bigging yourself up for your chat relentlessly on Twitter, and it's just a, hello, all right, mate, how are you? <laughs> yeah, some of the boys give us some, some of the beans on Twitter. I'm not, not massive on Twitter, but uh, there's a few, few hobby lads that give us some decent chat. Well, I don't know. You've changed your biography twice since the season started, <laughs> so you must be reasonably active. Well, after I got the, um, the shout from... Uh, Benny George on our um, on that live stream, I've had to change it a couple of times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you've now gone with that you peaked physically and intellectually at about 14 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's, yeah, that's fair. In fact, I've been asked by Will, Will Crane to inquire about the uh, the size and shape of your Swede. It's legendary down in your parts, apparently. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am... Um... Got a large brain, so which means um, I've got a rather large head, a bit of a cliff off the back of it, but lethal from corners when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few things we want to talk to you about, but we'll let you decide the order. I'm going to say two words, and then uh, you get to choose what we talk about first. Bath, Exeter. Uh, we'll talk about Exeter first. <laughs> Thought you might say that. Yeah, great, great performance from the boys. Um, yeah, we... A lot of uh, chat about how we've never won at Topsham before. Um, our head coach, Linny, Linny, Linny said um, never in his time at Harbour have we won there. And um, we, they were throwing us around a little bit, saying it might be on an Astro Turf, might be, uh, might be at Topsham, but it was when we got down there. It was at Topsham, just a horrendous day down in Exeter. We had um, fly half Stein for the first time because um, Nath was away of Scotland. So we had uh, young Paul Morgan starting for the first time and 
JJ at fullback, who's probably only played four or five times and very inexperienced, but to be fair to them, they both embossed the game. Uh, their kicking game were unbelievable. We played rugby in all the right areas and took opportunities from when they came. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about the late pitch inspection because you didn't just beat Exeter, you completely bossed it, as you said, 29-0. There's no arguments and your tactical kicking was impressive. We'll come onto your defence in a second. But playing down at a boggy topsham is very different to playing up on the crumb on campus. So did you have two different yeah. game plans that you spoke about depending on, on where the decision was made to play the game? Um, we did, we did. We always have a, a plan A and a plan B, if you will. We almost had a, a plan A for Topsham and a plan B for Topsham as well because, because of the weather. We knew that the weather was going to be a factor and the game we like to play might have not been available and it turned out it wasn't. But we, we train on AstroTurf every day, so if it did come down to that AstroTurf, boys knew what they were doing there as well. Um, we're just ready to adapt on the day. And it, when we got down there, the pitch was so muddy and so boggy. It was one of them where everyone just runs at the same speed. It's just so boggy, like you can't move. So well, we, well, I think we just adapted to the conditions very well. I think everyone everyone ran at the same speed by and large, apart from Joe Margetts, who scored a bit of a wonder try from your 22. I'll, I'll correct you there. It's not, it, wasn't, it wasn't Joe Margetts. I think it was Toby Venner, actually. Really? So another try for Toby yeah, Venner? It was another try for Toby Venner. I mean, um, we're controlling the game really well. We actually let the ball bounce. It falls to him. He just goes on like a, an amazing sneak and run through, the, through their whole defence. And it was, it was unbelievable try for him. And he reminded us all after the game that that is his 10th try of the season, which he uh, wow, sure to remind us of. <laughs> um, well, poor old Toby hasn't been credited in the rugby paper because your team sheet was wrong and it said it was Joe Margetts, so he's got the big plaudits. But yeah, well done, Toby. Awesome try. But let's talk about uh, your fullback, yeah. JJ, 18 years old. And as you said, he bossed it with the kicking and he got a couple of meat pies as well. He did, he did. He scored a, he scored a nice try in the first half. All the hard work for that try was done by Paul Morgan. He ran a really good support line, got under the post. But um it was it was just like the way he the way he kicked all game. I mean, in that in those kind of games, you don't you don't want to be playing with the ball too much. You want to be hitting hitting grass with your kicks. And he was he just a real mature performance for a for a guy who's not massively experienced. He he, he kicked out of his ha- kicked out of hand really really well. And it was just a it's just a really good performance from him. Joe referred to the fixture as El Clasico in the pod last week that, that made us both laugh a little bit. But, you know, it, it rings true to a certain point. Is that something that you sort of thought about on the way in? Because it's a huge, huge fixture. Yeah, um, it's not one that we struggle to get up for, for sure. Um, <laughs> just speaking around the, the forwards, especially, like we, we, like we, we know what extra bring. Everyone knows what extra bring. They're going to come hard around the corner, very nutritional, not going to make many mistakes. And, as a forward pack, we know like going into that game, right? This is going to be tough. We know we're going to have to make our tackles, and that really that really gets the boys up for it. And I'm not suggesting for one second that this podcast has an effect on the overall results, but there's a little yeah. bit of a rumor that uh, that you used some of what was said last week as motivation. Yeah, we listened to you boys talk about uh, how good extra were for 40, 45 minutes, and um, <laughs> obviously, and, uh, how how I think it was a comment in there about how they already won the league and stuff so um oh. yeah just a bit of, bit of a bit more motivation for the boys on a on a monday night yeah i was absolutely delighted to give you that extra motivation there angus um <laughs> i talk about it to come around the corner the thing that stood out so i watched your game back today you guys didn't actually have the ball a huge amount you were just 
ruthless when you did get the chance to score, but that all came from your defence. Your defence was massive throughout the game. Like yeah. So many dominant collisions and just dealt with extra wave after wave. Like You must be so proud of that performance from, from that aspect. Yeah, we, we really hang our, hang our hat on our defence. Um, Dan Murphy, our defence coach, gets into us like three or four times a week about our defence. And then when we when we have them big D sets, put them up on the big screen in analysis and everyone loves to see it. So um, we defended really well in last year as well. Uh, I think we went five or six games where teams didn't score 10 or more points against us and we know that's going to be enough to win. Um, we, I think our team almost loves the defenders as much as it does attack sometimes. Um, it's good for the forwards as well. I mean, there's a lot of kicking battles and one of them towards the second half was about 10 minutes long. So... We're meant to be doing shuttles and chasing kicks, but I'm just standing in the middle of the field waiting for someone to run. And then it's funny you use that word because that's what Jack Rouse said to me. He said he said it was so there was so much kicking in the second half that he just ended up doing shuttles. In fact, that he he got substitutes yeah. off, which is quite rare. So obviously he was doing your shuttles for you as well, Angus. Um, <laughs> but uh, so mighty defence, ruthless finishing. We've given you a massive reach around for the big W last week. So why didn't you do it against Bath the yeah. week before? <laughs> uh, I wish I could tell. You. Honestly, wish I could tell you. Um, with, I, I, I don't know what went wrong. A, a lot went. A, a lot obviously went wrong. Oh, we really looked at our forward pack and our, our work rate and our intensity probably wasn't ne- need to be. Probably to be honest with you, a, bit, a little bit of complacency. Um, we beat Bath in the pre-season and maybe we, weren't, we didn't take them seriously. But um, looking at their results and their league position, that won't we won't make that the same mistake on Wednesday. What did Bath do well? Um, they do a lot of. They, they're, they play very unstructured rugby, but they're they're they're, they're quite like good within that. They have a lot of dynamic players. I mean, I think their wing is called Hugo. He's a good player. The fullback, Will Parton, he's a really good player as well. And they're really good open field runners. They um they they pick through the breakdown well, and they they're just a good set piece. They're just a really good solid kind of dogged side that grind out really good results. And they're strong set piece wise. And we didn't. I don't think we took them too seriously. And that's something we're going to change for Wednesday. Well, exactly. It's a pretty short turnaround. You're, you're travelling there. It's one of the shorter journeys in Buck Super Rugby. Yeah. What are you guys looking to change? Well, other than obviously the scoreline at full time. Um, just our intensity and our work rate and our forward pack. We had a, we had a couple of opportunities in our 22 and we, we just look a little bit lost. We got a bit of stick from it from the backs and the coaches about our pick and goes where they need to be. So we've done a lot of work on that kind of stuff and... They like to they like to pick and go a lot, pick through the middle of the breakdown, and just really focusing on like our tight five and our work within the forward pack. Will Crane went off injured on Wednesday in the Exeter game. Has anyone? I mean, yeah. he's not the best looking man already, but <laughs> tackling with his face isn't going to do any improvements on that. I saw him hobble off in that game. Is he going to be all right for Wednesday? Um, I don't think he's going to be all right on Wednesday. I, I think he'll probably be back sometime after Christmas. Now I don't think he will make these um, last two games. I think he had a little bit of injury to his hamstring, obviously. Huge loss for us. He's our, mm. our cap. Is our captain. Um, throws an unbelievable ball in the line out. His defence is just relentless as well. So there's quite a big loss for us. And we've got a few injuries piling up. Um, in fact, Toby Venner hurt his foot on Friday. I don't think he's going to be available to after Christmas now as well. Um, big tight head Bert Gibson. He's not around as well. So um, we've got our injuries piling up. But um, there's so many good players at Hartbury that's just the next man stands up and they know what they need to do yeah massive opportunity for somebody else to, to sort of fill the void yeah what about all the other stuff that's going on outside of BSR of course the, the championship team are doing alright and it was a tough one for them against Irish at the weekend but the yeah. ace team winning on that Wednesday as well do you kind of keep your eye on everything that's going on not just around your club but around the, the campus in general 
Oh, hundred percent. We got off the um, we got off the pitch uh, against Exeter strength the bus, and half the team had that ace final up on their uh, phones, winning the boys on. They had a they um they didn't start. We all watched the game back. They didn't start very well, but they had a huge D set at the end there, and boys went mad on the bus because massive one club culture here at Harbour. We know we know the the Bucks twos are undefeated this year. The threes are doing really well, and 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 the RLC, although they had a bad uh, maybe not, not great loss on the weekend. Um, they've got a lot of really good players in that squad and boys in our Bucks team get opportunity and we're really close to that RFC and Bucks squad. We train together a lot. So yeah, we are. We do keep in touch and it is a very, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's a very one-club environment and we were just the Mace boys on Wednesday to win it nine times out of ten or something like that is an unbelievable achievement. Oh, incredible stuff. It's almost a, a foregone conclusion if such a thing exists in rugby. Right, this has been a pretty serious rugby chat. Let's take it off the pitch. Yeah. And, uh, and talk about some of the... Well, we've made Irv the Swerve a bit of a cult hero and we were hoping to catch... Well, we were hoping you'd be able to catch up with him on our behalf, yeah. but he's um, he's a little bit down in the dumps at the moment. Is that correct? It, it's almost correct. One of his best mates, Robbie Smith, who is uh, one of the key players for us, unfortunately, um, for a bit of a unusual circumstances, I won't dive into them, as, um, he, he unfortunately split from his girlfriend and oh. proceeded to go on two nights out in two days, which Irvin accomplished went with him. And, he's, a good, um, he's a good, good friend. Out of action. Do you know what? That warms the cocks of my heart to hear Irv the Swerves as much of the legend <laughs> off the pitch as he is on. I mean, he's, he's someone who's come oh, up from the third sure. team, isn't he? Yeah, he was playing in the third team last year. Can you, can you imagine the carnage he was causing <laughs> in the third team? <laughs> like, tries for fun. But um, what you don't see about Irvin, he's done, a lot, he's done a lot of work on his positioning and all the other aspects of being the winger, not just running people over. Um, he's done a lot of work on his positioning. Kick it. His kicking game, which showed on Wednesday, was really, really strong as well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's certainly caught our eye for those uh, on-the-pitch antics. Yeah. And he's, uh, and he's got a yeah. dodgy porn star accent to boot as well, I hear. He's, he's, uh, he's got a fantastic accent. We all love him. He, um, <laughs> he plays, he, when, he, when he gets the chance to get on the mic, he puts his French songs on and we have a little dance to it and stuff. So <laughs> he's really he's a, bit, a, bit, a bit of a hero for us this year so far. Yeah, how was that uh, bus up going north up the M5 on Wednesday? Enjoyable, I imagine. Well, it was enjoyable. Um, not as much as you'd imagine, because after our win against Leeds, um, we had a big, we had a big social on the bus, and the bus got put out of action for a couple of days. So, <laughs> we, were not, so we got the, we got the wrath of uh, some of the people higher up in Hartbury for that, and oh. uh, we were all sitting in our Christmas gear, ready for our social music blaring, and. Um, just on the waters. <laughs> <laughs> hydrate, mate. Always hydrate. Yeah, stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. Yeah. <laughs> well, other than uh, other than yourself and Irv, then uh, who would you like to give a shout out to? It's always uh, it's always great to find out about some of the characters that perhaps have uh, escaped our oh. attention here. We have some, oh, we have some characters. There was um there was three I think there was three lads that came all the way down from Hartbury to watch us against Exeter. Um, Jack Scaffordy. Came. Will Hubert came um, and Clyde. They came all the way down from Hartbury to watch the six, and they made more noise than anyone else there, just three of them. And after our game, they went on to watch the twos playing Bristol as well, then cracked on the social. So a big shout-out to them three and just all the Hartbury fans that follow us. They do literally follow us all around the country. Oh, legends. Good stuff. Awesome, mate. Well, Angus, <laughs> so glad we got you on. And give yeah, you, we give you, you a bit of stick, but really good fun to have you on and you're welcome back anytime. And uh, yeah, good good luck at the STV on Wednesday. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thanks for having me. All the best, mate. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Bye. Oh, do you know what we forgot to ask him about, mate? Go on. Holding one club. 
Ah, we'll get it next time. He's a member of the Hole in One Club, something I'm very jealous of. But really good hearing from him, and I think a very honest, fair appraisal of a magnificent victory for them against Exeter. I don't think they'll have any complaints about the way that he packaged that. It sounds like they're having a good bit of good bit of gas down at Hartbury as well, which is, I'm glad to hear it's not all too rugby rugby. Yeah, good for them. Let's move into the East Midlands then, and the home record of Loughborough, pretty much the only crumb of comfort from their season so far, decimated by Bath. Two massive away victories for them in succession. 30 points to 10 as well. That is pretty comprehensive from the brothers. How good are Bath away? They might as well, they should try and trade all their home games because they suck at home. Um, Yeah, massive, massive win. And that 10 points, very well inflated because they scored their try in the 78th minute, converted. So it would have been 30 points to three, which is an absolute hammering at home. Bath missed out on the bonus point. I know I keep banging on about them, but so crucial as a result. Durham slip ahead of them in the table. I know that we're only halfway through the season, but they all add up and they all count. But again, interestingly from Bath, in the same way that they did slightly through Hugo Styles last week, how Harry Johnston did it for Met this week, building a score. 15 points from Will Partington. He's taken over the kicking duties, including a monster from about 46, 47 yards. That's expert kicking analysis and the man who does that for BT Sport for you there, Shags. And very, very good performance. I don't think Loughborough played too badly, but whenever Bath got into the red zone, they, they scored. We'll go into this in a little bit more detail, but before we do, let's hear a fairly morbid obituary from uh, pod favourite and Loughborough Club chairman, James Gallagher. Hi guys, it's Gally here. The dust has just settled here at Loughborough after a physical encounter between ourselves and Bath tonight. Looking back on the game itself, Loughborough started strong with the back row carrying well and giving us front football. But to be fair to Bath, they held out and were able to get themselves on the score sheet first to take a 3-0 lead. After that, continual pressure from Loughborough led to repeated penalties, which they decided to kick to the corner rather than take the points to even the scores. After being camped on their own line, Bath won themselves a penalty and cleared their lines, which was a turning point in the game. The rest of the first half was a tight affair, with Bath kicking another penalty to lead 6-0. Then on the brink of half-time, a strong Bath mall resulted in a try to give them a 13-0 lead at the break. Definitely a crucial score in the game. The second half saw a strong start for the hosts, with a storming run from Kilgallen leading to a penalty, this time converted into three points for Loughborough and crucially a sin-bin for Bath. But Loughborough couldn't push home this man advantage and for the rest of the second half, Bath dominated with their physicality. Two tries either side of another penalty took them to a 30-3 lead and left the game out of reach for Loughborough. A last-minute try was merely a consolation for us and the game finished 30-10 to Bath. It was a game that was probably decided at the breakdown where a strong pack dominated. Bath looked good heading into the last couple of games before Christmas, but there's still positive signs for Loughborough. Well done to Bath. We look forward to the return leg in the final week, where I'm sure it will still be all to play for in this tight league. Pretty honest from Galley there. <laughs> you could almost hear the disappointment in his voice. He sounded a bit like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I do love Galley, and I love that he is a regular contributor and I love that he's a supporter and a friend of ours and he's blighted by injury at the moment. Mm. He goes to every game, he's club chair, he bleeds African violet and a very articulate and well-structured report. But the tone of his voice, he sounds like he's uh, voicing... An advert on the perils of not testing your smoke detector. 
And at the end of the advert, it's just a house that's been destroyed by fire. There's some real morbid picture at the end. And I guess that's a reflection on where Loughborough are after that. And as he said, their home record gone. Interesting, though, he highlighted exactly what you said. Bath took their opportunities to score early in that first half. Loughborough didn't. They could have kept the scoreboard ticking over. Instead, they kick for the corner. They visit the 22. They come away with nothing. There was an incident where they could have had a penalty try, but instead the referee gives a penalty. And again, they don't kick for the points and they go in 13-0 down at half time. Then, then the pressure comes when you've got a big fat zero. In fact, I text you during the match because... It wasn't long um, after the full-time whistle went at Exeter and they'd been the first team to get nilled at home and it looked for quite some time like Loughborough might be the second in quick succession. As you pointed out, that try that gave the, the scoreboard a modicum of respectability for the hosts came with pretty much the last phase of the game and Bath doing bits. Bath doing the job, but their discipline is still <laughs> chaos. They got three yellow cards. Mm. Loughborough picked up one. That was a yellow at the same time as one of the Bath yellow cards. In fact, three players got yellow card on on 77 minutes. <laughs> Bath had one on 42, but still Loughborough couldn't convert. Yeah. But Bath have got to sort their discipline out. They are so yellow card heavy. They give away a heap of penalties. They haven't been punished on this occasion, but they definitely got to sort that out. Three names I want to mention for Bath. Mm-hmm. Alex Burridge. Yep. He is the 10. He's the 10 for them. For me, he's arguably the best in the league. Brings great control. Brings a confidence around the players around him. We talk about the Mercurial, Styles, Simmons, Finn Murphy, Will Parton at the back. Alex Burridge is just Geppetto pulling the strings. But he scored a lovely try. Saw some space in behind on the 22. Little grubber through. Collected himself over in the corner. Not in the corner. Just over the line. To the right of the sticks. What am I talking about? Anyway, great try. I really think that he's crucial to their efforts. Then the other two, mentioned him a couple of times, Will Partington, Jacko Davies. Mm. They're now back. Jacko Davies gets a try. You think about the quality of all the teams in the league, but big name players make a big difference. Jacko Davies comes back in and scores a try. You look at that table now. It's so tight at the top. Bath are down in fifth. Played 10, one six, lost four but only a bonus point win away from the top of the tree. It's so, so tight at the top. But for Loughborough, it is almost a carbon copy of last year. Do you know, all of last season, they weren't able to put three wins in a row together. It's been the same this season as well. They've only won two in a row. Inconsistent selection due to the thing that we talk about every week, so I'm not going to go into it again. Those last couple of fixtures, looking at that table now, those were the ones they, where they could really have made hay because they play Northumbria, they play Bath, the teams that are in and around them in the league. You pick up some positive results there and you're back in the mid-table mix. Now they're 11 points behind Bath and that's two weeks in a row where they've got nothing, not a losing bonus point, not a try-scoring bonus point. And after the progress made against um, Nottingham Trent and then Leeds Beckett, it's, it's back to square one. Back to square one, but all hope is not lost because Durham went two weeks where they got absolutely nothing from their results and they are back on song. That's a game we're going to look at next. But last point on Bath is the squad depth mm. for them. They had big impacts from the bench. Uh, Sam and Geng 
created good work that led to the Davies try. He's got a twin brother on the bench. He's pretty handy as well. James Catlin was on the bench, who is usually a mainstay in the back row. But Miles Reed came back at number eight. They've got a lot of things going on and it feels like a bigger squad effort from Bath. So impressive. And also they've bounced back as well from having two losses in a row. Uh, final game of the week then. Trent 21, Durham 30. Both of us went for a Trent win. But Durham, are they the most unpredictable team in the league? That's a good question. It was a really entertaining match and they are very reminiscent of Bath. For me, Durham, they are a bit... Are they a mystery? No, they're not. I think they're a good team and they've got good players around the park and they are developing as the season goes on. They had their wobble. They're now three games in a row with mm. with victories. And the thing that impressed me a lot was Colin Markham didn't start. So they brought Marion Hoos and Henry Pearmain into the second row. Both were awesome along with Ben Fowles, I felt that one of those three should have been man the match, not Miles Rostrum Rudd. Though Chris Campbell was an excellent yeah, co-commentator. It was an absolute pleasure to have him by my side for the evening. But it's great. They've got three titans they can rotate in that second row. The back row options they've got are disgusting. This guy, Adamson, they brought in wasn't as lively as I thought he was going to be, but he's got a very good sevens playing pedigree. Chris Johnson wasn't even there. Josh Basham starts on the bench because he was with 20s. Charlie Wilson this time was on the bench, but then they have Ben Stevenson who returns from Falcons. He scores. All these players that they bring back in, talk about big players from the game before, they come in and they all perform. And I, I like the way Durham play, but they have a tendency to create opportunities for their opposition <sighs> And they rather live on the wire a bit. And that's definitely something they're going to have to eradicate if they want to go to higher heights. Because as they found twice against Hartbury, if you play against a team who take no prisoners, then you're going to get schooled. It was a little bit attritional for the opening exchanges, wasn't it? Then Durham took the lead. So And then so straight from the kickoff... No, that was Durham who did that. So, oh, okay, so, okay. Tre so Trent made a load of errors as well. They, they live. Some of their ring craft was distinctly lacking. So it was a game that ebbed and flowed. Trent went into the lead early. Yeah, Durham got this, got the try directly from the kickoff because they stuffed up the receipt. They kicked penalty. They go into the lead. Fitz Harding scored a contentious try on the replay. It looks like Harry Graham got there first. The referee's not in a position to call it. He consults with his linesman. He takes his best judgment and gives it to Durham. I don't have any complaints with that particularly. Even on the replay, it's difficult to see definitively that Graham gets his hand down on it. So anyway, that's Durham into the lead. Trent come back immediately after half time. Good on them. I think Catano Branco it is. Durham, go up the other end. So it's, it's ebbing and flowing. Anyway, it all comes to the score being a two-point game. Eight minutes remaining. Trent have the ball. And they try and play out of their 22. They play and they play. When all they need to do, well, I say all they need to do, the smart play would be stick it down Durham's end mm. and make them play. Say, do you know what, boys? Here's the ball. Get out of your 22 and we'll see who can boss it. And they didn't. They got turned over. Ball into the corner, Durham rumble over, bonus point, nothing for Trent. Thanks very much. Trent also quite a number of handling errors. So they'll be really disappointed. But Durham need to put teams away as well because they've got so many good players that can do it. How was Chris Campbell post-match? 
quite philosophical. I think they're happier that they're in a better position than they are last year. But really, they know that they are within touch, but not doing the job. Durham-esque almost. And you look at some of the experience of some of the players, load of these guys playing championship week in, week out. And I feel they should be performing at a higher level. Well, I was going to ask you, are we a little bit harsh on Trent? But I think you've answered that question by saying that with those championship boys in, they should be doing better. But let's sort of cast our minds back. They were rock bottom of the table last year. Admittedly, they finished quite strong. They had those couple of wins against Durham and that really impressive one against Leeds Beckett. But they're still pretty green at this level. One season isn't a particularly long time to be playing top-level student rugby because I know this is the Bucks Super Rugby year and it's different, but you look at most of the names in there, Hartbury, Cardiff Met, Exeter, Durham, Bath, Loughborough in particular, then you've got the other three. But it wasn't that long ago where Nottingham Trent were the second-best student team in Nottingham. Yeah. But how long, but how long does it take to learn your lessons? How long, how long do you give yourself... And they they were their own worst enemies at times on Wednesday. Alex Goble, he would admit it. Alex O'Dowd, he'd admit it. I think most of the players would look at that and think that's a game that we definitely could have won, but Durham were deserving winners in the end. Really, yeah. really entertaining game though. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, you lo- called me afterwards and you were buzzing. You yeah, were like a lot of nice touches, some good play. Like I said Rorschach Rudd, I would have picked someone else, but he was he was great in the centres, mm. becoming a really diverse player for Durham and David Williams doing some bits in the centre for Trent. Obviously their their packer are pretty much just I thought Ben Fowles, the um the Durham mate was awesome. So, so good. He put an absolute melter in the centre of the park, rearranged some poor sod skeleton <laughs> that led to Fitz Harding's try. Yeah, it was it was just a real humdinger of a game ebbing and flowing. You didn't know who was going to win. I'm looking forward to picking my team of the uh, of the opening rounds actually it's gonna be tricky isn't yeah. it I'm, I'm looking forward to it so many good performances across the board so many good players and Basham and and Wilson didn't start because they'd been on the England 20s camp um and apparently it was quite brutal and I managed to nail out Alex Key in for an interview as well oh my god yeah I, th- I think I'm, I think I'm wearing him down <laughs> I've eroded him significantly well having said that at the, at the start of the game he saw me coming towards him from halfway across the pitch and he looked down turned his back and walked off I had to run <laughs> run and run and collar him before Keezy, he got off the pitch Keezy, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that gif of him that Bucks used by the way stuff of nightmares oh my god yeah they should use the plunge pool one yes <laughs> Where, rumor has it Next year's tour is to California, by the no. way. True story. If you are filling in your UCAS form currently and looking at Durham next year, then that could be the deciding factor. It's because Keezy had a look at the ozone layer makeup <laughs> and where he could get a deeper tan. And that's that's purely the decision oh, process. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's all right. To bring it back on track, brilliant for Durham. Great couple of away wins for them. But Nottingham Trent, I think they need to work on staying in touch in the games they're behind in because they do let games get away from them. Well, they were in touch there and they they let the opportunity slip. But very, very good up front, that's for sure. And they've got the potential in the backs as well. Alex Goble could have gone himself and scored in the first half, gave Mm. the pass. A lot of just sloppy handling, stuff they'll be kicking themselves about. All right, that's all of the fixtures which brings me on to my thought of the week following the success of last week's varsity conversation. 
Can I, we say something about the varsity? Please. So I didn't watch it because I don't watch fourth grade rugby. So I just apologise for one thing I said. I think I used the word journeyman last week, which was not the correct word. It didn't pay due respect to some of the players who were out there. But I would say that the varsity is more of a testimonial, shall we say. It's for... It's for people who are on the down. For yeah. example, Ollie Phillips played in it last year. He did amazing things with England Sevens, but, you know, he's, I don't know how old he is, 40. <laughs> so the vast is more for players on their way out or players who don't have high rugby aspirations, whereas Bucks is, you know, it's the creme de la creme. Yeah, it's like one of the last bastions of the amateur game, isn't it? And what was the tweet that got sent in by one of our followers, Neil Rankin. Oh, Neil Rankin absolutely nailed it. Shout out. Do you know what? He's a, he's a friend and a fan of the pod. So uh, cheers. Keep getting in touch, Neil. Yeah, Neil Rankin tweeted, Bucks Super Rugby equals elite rugby. Varsity match equals rugby for the elite. Ooh. Oh, he's nailed it though, isn't he? Enough said. On to your new, th- on to your new thought. Neil Rankin's yeah. done it. Mic drop. <laughs> Oh, if only we could be that succinct, mate. It would be a five-minute pod. <laughs> and people would have a lot more time in their hands. <laughs> uh, this is particularly apt, given some of the chats that have happened with regards to Premiership Rugby this year. But with Cardiff winning matches, Leeds Beckett, bottom of the league, but can beat top of the league on their day. Nottingham Trent vastly improved the fact that Loughborough are down there, even though they'll probably go on a playoffs run, is Bucks Super Rugby in danger of becoming a closed shop? And if it does, is that good or bad? A closed shop as in what, an enforced ring fence? Well, no, not, not just that. There are 10 teams in the league. Yeah. What's it going to take for somebody to breach that 10? Well, it's going to take a hell of a lot, is the answer. Because... And it's going to take investment and it's going to take vision because the amount of resources that are being poured into the 10 teams that are now dining at the top table of university rugby is significant. And if you have the aspirations to take your university up there, you've got to think of your three-year cycle of players. You've got to attract players now and say, this is our vision. We're going to take it up to Bucks Super Rugby. So they've got to then invest their time, sacrifice potential of playing three whole years of Buck Super Rugby to take that university there. And even when they do get there, then there's the potential of relegation. And the playoff is going to be no no easy ride at mm. all. And then you look at who is coming next through the ranks. So Newcastle are pretty much home and hose in North Premier A. North Premier A? Yeah, North Premier A, or North A as it's called. Yeah. Home and hose, 43 points, streaks ahead of the rest. They got dismantled by Cardiff last year in the playoffs. And then you look at South A, top of the league is the Hartbury second team who played 10, won 10. Points difference of 100, 201 <laughs> with six bonus points. Then next is University of South Wales first who've played 10, won 7. So Hartbury can't be promoted. Let's just say there's no way that Hartbury's ever going to go out of Buck Super. And they are just, they're designed for rugby. So, I mean, Hartbury seconds are an intimidating proposition. But say University of South Wales do beat Newcastle and then they've got to play the 10th place team in Buck Super. They'll have probably played less games as well, the Super sides. Hmm. 
they're well versed. It's going to be so hard for teams to come up. Yeah, because you've got to do your two-legged playoff. Yeah. And then play the bottom team in Buck Super, who've had feet up pipe and slippers for a couple of weeks. Correct. And are, are, are playing for their survival. That's that's a big ask for anyone. And the longer it goes on, the stronger the top 10 become, the more difficult it becomes to penetrate the league. Something that's caught my attention, and this was the conversation that I had with an unnamed source this weekend at the netball, is a relationship in the pipeline between Ealing Trailfinders Brunel. and Brunel University. Yeah. Now, Brunel currently sit third place in Southeastern 1A, Brighton at the top, Sussex second, and they're in there with Surrey, Essex, and King's College. So not exactly any rugby strongholds in there, but I've seen it in other sports where there's been a bit of investment and they've flown up the league. So Northumbria being one with uh, with volleyball, Durham as well. St. Mary's did it a few years ago um, with, with rugby league, and it's amazing how quickly you can go up the leagues but to go back to your earlier point that is a lot of students making massive decisions on how they play their university rugby are they willing to sacrifice a couple of years not playing buck super maybe with a financial incentive let's just say with yeah. a with a tuition fee contribution that they wouldn't be able to get anywhere else or maybe they're they're involved with a club like we see particularly at bath with boys having student contracts but then playing um, in, in Premiership Cup or whatever, but it's going to take something like that. Well, yeah, so there's Ealing and Brunel, and the other one is OEs have got a partnership with St Mary's now. Right. So they are partnering with St Mary's to try and create a development academy for OEs. OEs are muddied up to the hill. They're owned by the guy who... Uh, secure trading, o- isn't it? Secure trading or yeah. pay safe. Secure trading. Yeah who are responsible for all the chip and pin software in certainly in the UK, but pr- probably globally. They sponsor England Sevens. They are wedged up the wazoo. <laughs> so Cons- and their pitch is probably still the worst in the National League. Yeah, but the, I mean, they're playing in that, in that one and yeah. pay, paying good coin to people. So they've got this relationship now with St. Mary's. So St. Mary's are going to be looking to climb the leagues. Brunel looking to climb the leagues, which would be great for us because a couple of <laughs> a couple of London fixtures wouldn't go amiss. As you far, could probably walk to St Mary's. As, yeah, as far as my petrol expenses go. But that, as you said, that is the kind of impetus that is required to get into the league. But even then, it's not guaranteed. No. Can you? And ultimately, this league is a shop window. We mm. we we've seen enough of it in the last twelve months about where all these players have gone. Will Muir, by the way, Northumbria, top try scorer in the league last year, got his first try on the World Series at the weekend for England. Legend. What a legend. Going real good, fitting in well with the boys, from what I understand. So I'm glad to see him him prospering. But, you know, you've got you've got a short shelf life as a rugby player already. You've got a three-year shelf life as a university player. Do you sacrifice one of those years on a hope and a dream and a wing and a prayer with a team playing in South or North A who say they want to get there, but there's no guarantees? Maybe is, is the answer. But I think a lot of it comes down to what they can offer you, whether it's promises of a contract with that professional club, whether it's OEs or E-Links. I know both of those have got big aspirations beyond uh, beyond that one or the championship, but you know, ring fences could put an end to that. 
but also are you using your rugby for your professional gains or for your educational gains because there are a lot of opportunities for students outside of rugby uh, you know I, I'm off with the volleyball all the time there are quite a few um, young players there are no professional opportunities to play volleyball in the UK so they have got scholarships to study in Europe to study in the USA so they're using their sport to further their education if Brunel has got the course that you want to do or St Mary's has got the course that you want to do do you think well this is this is a golden opportunity I'm gonna go study I'm gonna play my rugby and you know you never know might end up in the big league it is a very interesting discussion and one that there's little answer to because the motivations of students completely differ. And what what you don't want to happen is for Buck Super Rugby to become a te- team, uh, a league of 10 teams that are an extended academy yeah. of professional rugby clubs. You want people who are educationally minded to still be able to play elite university level rugby and they don't have to drop down leagues to get that fixed because universities are crowbarring players athletes call them what you will into their rugby program for the good of the rugby and they're flaunting grade boundaries or academic responsibilities and not just that i think it's really important that it's a, a league and an opportunity for late bloomers to flourish as well. The boys who come up from the second team, third team, fourth team to play first team or the boys that might miss out on academy rugby the first time round but then improve at 2021, 20, 22. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's uni rugby. Yeah. Everyone should be enjoying it. Everyone should be pushing it to the max. They should be playing for the jersey. Yes, it is a shop window but it should not become a closed shop as far as the teams are concerned. And a conversation for another time, not right now because this has gone on for long enough, what happens when the first team drops out of Bucks Super Rugby? (laughs) There are no parachute payments, I'm afraid. Yeah, very true, very true. Food for thought, plenty of food for thought. I'm enjoying this new feature, mate. Yeah, I like the new feature as well, Dave, yeah. Getting us talking. Good on you, mate. Okay, let's do the Predictions League then. Just a timely reminder that I'm four points ahead as we approach Christmas. We'll start with the two o'clock kickoff up in Yorkshire, Beckett versus Loughborough. Massive. Is that the the game of the rounds? No. So many games of the rounds. It's pretty big. It's pretty big in the grand scheme of both of those seasons. I'm going to go Leeds-Beckett win. Are you? All right. I mean, I feel bad that I've I can't remember the last time I we went for Loughborough. But <laughs> You've been pretty vindicated most weeks. Mate. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, Leeds, Leeds Beckett. Prove me right, Leeds Beckett. You got close at, at Loughborough. You had a drop goal to win it in the last minute, but you fell short at home. Surely you can do the biz. I think Leeds Beckett are struggling in the scrum at the moment. They struggled against Loughborough. They struggled against Exeter, and they struggled against Cardiff. And as a result, I'm going for a Loughborough win. But I think this will be quite a nervy affair. I think it's going to be low scorer. I don't think there are going to be any bonus points. I think Loughborough are going to edge it. I think Loughborough get a losing bonus point. Losing bonus point for Loughborough. All right. 3.30 kickoff at Lady Bay. Trent versus Exeter. Exeter on the bounce back bonus point win. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I don't see anything other than that happening. Anything for Trent? Nothing for Trent. Yeah, agreed. Half past six kickoff, Durham versus Northumbria. You want to talk to me about games of the round? Ah, oh, do you remember how good that game was last year? <laughs> Obviously not for Northumbria, but 
from a spectator's point of view, Chris Johnson with those two wonder tries, and we became bananas in the, the back of the, the in the back the of the van. <laughs> Absolutely bananas. That was my second game, you know. Yeah, yeah. The first one was Hartbury versus Exeter, where Hartbury won it out of nowhere, and then it was the 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 game up in up at uh, Durham City. And I thought, I can't be like this every week. And it turns out it is like that most weeks. I am going for a Durham bonus point win. I'm going for a Durham bonus point win. Are you? And Northumbria to get a bonus point, but not be within seven. Okay, I'm going to go two bonus points for Northumbria. I think it's going to be a close one. I hope it's going to be a close one, because I love these derby fixtures. I think Northumbria, they're due a little bit of luck. But I just think Durham are on a roll. They look a really good side at the moment. And uh, Northumbria's inconsistencies will not be enough to get them over the line. Seven o'clock kickoff, Bath versus Hartbury. I can't believe you have early doors gone Beckett versus Loughborough as game of the round. There's just crackers everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's getting to the stage where for this predictions part, I might as well just put the teams on a dartboard <laughs> and just launch an arrow. Because Hartbury have just smashed Exeter away Bath beat Hartbury two weeks ago Bath just put Loughborough away by a margin yeah but then he talks about I'll go Bath I'll go oh, Bath's home record is dreadful though I'm going to say their their home record is going to crumble and Hartbury win with a bonus point but Bath gets a bonus point not within seven so try bonus point for Bath I think Hartbury's performance against Exeter was a benchmark that's arguably the standout performance of the Bucks Super Rugby era yeah and they laid the ghosts of Leeds Beckett to rest when they faced them following defeat I think they're going to do exactly the same against Bath and I think they're going to get a bonus point win and I don't think Bath are going to get anything oosh that's a big call for a team that are tearing it up in the league. But big call. All yeah. right then, boyo. This is the big one, isn't it? Cardiff Derby. What can we just talk about what a moment this is for these boys to play a local derby at Cardiff Arms Park for their uni? I mean, these Cardiff boys, some of them, they're sort of their last fifteen games, one will have been at the Liberty Stadium that they'll have won, the Welsh Derby. Then in their was it their first or second game of Buck Super they've turned out at the Arms Park. Now they're getting the wins and now they're doing it all over again with a sold out stand. What a time to be playing rugby in the Welsh capital. What a time to be alive. And yeah. and good on them. Yeah. And enjoy it. I I said in that commentary from that first game that I think it was Chris Lewis scored in the corner and I said Chris Lewis has scored in one of the famous those famous corners of the Arms Park. Yeah. You think about some of the historic iconic rugby scoring moments that have taken place in that stadium by Welsh legends and those those boys are getting an opportunity to write a bit of history and I really hope that that sold out stand isn't just uni boys and that it's a a bit of the Welsh rugby public Catch, capturing their imagination this strikes me the kind of kind of public that would be and you look at the regional game is a bit soggy these days that's oh, crap joe you know uh, exactly so if they can get their teeth into these two uni sides especially for a massive derby that'd be awesome anyway get off the fence procrastinating i think um yeah cardiff met <laughs> yeah yeah i I, lo- I love what you're doing cardiff but you can't you can't argue with the archers at home, even if it is at the Arms Park. 
Yeah, I'm going for a Cardiff Met bonus point win. I think they might score a hatful here and five or six tries, but I think Cardiff are going to get try bonus point as well. I think this could be a try fest. I think defence coaches are going to be pulling their hair out. Big score line in favour of the Archers, but Cardiff Met are going to leave with something. I'm the same as well. Oh, very good. So we'll be level pegging no matter what happens oh, now mate, after, well, after this week's predictions. Yeah, yeah. There's not. There's, I think it's all going to hinge on Loughborough again, isn't it? Yeah, it will <laughs> Standard. do. Uh, very good, mate. Uh, I know I've picked your brains about a few things. Have you got any other business that you'd like to bring up? I'm empty. I'm empty. I've gone to the well. <laughs> I've gone to the rugby well and I can't take any more from it. Well. It is dry. <laughs> <laughs> In which case, mate, you'd better close the show. Okay, guys, enjoy your rugby this week. Thanks very much to Angus Southland for joining us, D-Rog with the stats and also the technical capabilities of bringing this podcast to you. As always, get in touch with us through our socials. We are on Acast, SoundCloud and Spotify. I've got something else to say. Yes, we are picking our dream teams of the first half of the season next week. So if you've got an opinion, why don't you send yours to us and we'd love to hear where your head's at. But until then, the Bucks stops now. Here. The Bucks stops here. Here.